0: Are you a professional woman who wants to create passive income streams and financial freedom through real estate investing? Join us here on Real Estate Investor Goddesses, hosted by Monique Calm. Listen to women who are rocking it in real estate investments as they share their stories of success, failures, and best advice in real estate investing. Start creating real wealth through real estate. Tune in today. Here's your host, real estate investor, syndicator, and developer. Monique Hom. Welcome to the Real Estate
1: Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom. And on this show, I interview badass women, real estate investors, women that are crushing it in the real estate investing space so they can share their stories and best advice with you. And I'm super excited to have a badass extraordinaire, Jamisa McIver with me today. She's a 26-year-old wife, mother, and groundbreaker with an amazing testimony. Currently, she's the deed holder of 18 properties, all in which she's purchased with only one mortgage. Starting out as a novice investor and mastering the craft, she became the CEO of Rosebud's Investments, which is very popular amongst new investors and people who may be looking to get started, and I'm not sure how. She's just taken her innovative spirit and created a strategy that makes real estate investing as simple as can be for people of all ages and walks of life. She's did intellectual with ambition and strong desire to uplift and build those around her, which I love. And I'm super excited to have her with us. That sounds Kenisa. so good. <laughs> <laughs> right Hi, thank you for having me. I'm like I'm bashful over being here. here, reading, and I'm like, please, <laughs> please. <laughs> "I did that, didn't I? Yeah." So. I mean, you're talking before we hit record, and you're a brand new mama. <laughs> you just had a baby like um, a couple of weeks ago, and um, I don't even know if it's uh, how how old is it? Two weeks? Okay, is it, so more than two? She, it was one week. I had her on the twenty seventh. I had her April twenty seventh. Oh my god! So, gosh. so at the time of this Monday made it a week. Yeah, she's a little over a week old. So it's amazing what you've done. How did you get started in real estate investing? It was literally an accident. I was 19 years old. I'm very, very close to my grandparents. My great-grandma raised me, and then my grandma, which is my dad's mom, that's my great-grandmom's daughter. So I spent a lot of time with older people, her being one of them. (laughs) Very, very responsible young lady. I've always been that, just because I'm the eldest of about 10 siblings. So one day... Because we had this thing where I would take her food shopping, like take her to the doctor's, you, you know, just simple granddaughter, grandparent stuff. And one day while we were food shopping, or I might have been dropping her off at this point, she had asked me what would happen to her house if something was to happen to her. And I didn't know the answer to that because I have a question of that, first of all. First of all, what's happening to you? That was my first thought. Like, huh? And <laughs> the second thought is it's a house. What happens to houses? They stay there. I don't know. I really didn't have knowledge on ownership or anything like that. So I didn't know like the basics. I just know that this is how she lived there. At this point, my mind didn't go past the thought of renting because I had my own place at that time I was renting. So I didn't know. But she made a request. She said that if anything happened to her, would I be willing to look after it? You're the most responsible person. I want this to be a family house. Let people stay here. They'll pay you rent. Like she gave this a little rundown. This is all we have. I just want to make sure it's okay. No problem. I can do that, right? I'm 19 years old, by the way. So, yeah, grandma, cool. I'll be doing it, whatever. But she actually meant it. She was serious. So the next few weeks after that, she was like pressuring me to figure out if I figured out how to do what she asked me to do. Hey, did you figure out how we do it? Well, how do we put it in your name? Well, what do we need? I was like, oh, she means it. Like, she's actually asking me to do stuff. Okay. Um, So I started to do research. I'm really, really good at that. I'm very inquisitive, very curious. And I like to learn, so... Somewhere along the lines of me Googling and talking to people, I figured out about a dollar deed transfer. At the time, it was literally me signing a piece of paper, and I went on the deed with her, and we set the paper off to the side to collect dust. That's all that happened. So again, still for me, it wasn't a real thing, but a year and a few months after that, she passed away, and that's kind of when everything came like full center for me because at that moment, I realized, what she had asked me to do and what I actually agreed to do. Like, I was like, she meant it. If something happened to her, she wants me to take care of this house. So like at the time for me, signing a paper, okay, I did it. But I didn't really know what I was doing because she lived there. So everything pretty much remained the same. Me helping her pay bills and stuff, that's normal to me. But me being fully responsible for a house, that's not normal. Like she asked for money, I would give it to her. But then I didn't know what she did with it. I didn't know about paying taxes and stuff. So she passed away. And like I said, I'm the eldest of about ten siblings. But then she also has children. My father being one of them. And I have three uncles. And they're all about twice my senior. It didn't work. Like dead on. I want to say she passed away. That same day they were like changing the locks on the property. Um, the next day they were making arrangements for what they were going to do to the property. I'm grieving. Like, taking it all in, like, grandma's no longer here. They're like, Yeah, we're gonna sell it. And we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that. And my great grandmom's like, hey you probably want to tell them that that's your house and they can't do that <laughs> not right now so i have to say it now she's like yeah, you might want to look what you're doing like you might <laughs> want to speak up now i'm very small then and i'm not really aggressive i've learned to be more assertive than passive but I'm, my personality is still not one like i don't have it in me that's my house like at that time it was so inappropriate right can we just Get over the fact that she's not here first before we try to make monetary gain off of it. But eventually I did end up letting them know like, hey, this is my house. I don't know if it was better before they knew or after they knew because they literally did everything they were doing previous to, prior to knowing like times 10. So then they start breaking in. I'm plugging a deep freezer, letting the food go bad. Like it became a thing. Money brings the best and worst out of people sometimes, wow. um, especially the people that are closest to you. Because originally, she had said that she wanted this to be a family house. That stuck out to me. And she also said, like, this is all we have. That stuck out to me. She told me she didn't want this house to be sold. She wanted me to upkeep it and maintain it. Easy enough, but not with the people that were involved. It was like she told me to do two different things. Maintain the house. I don't want people arguing. It was, like, impossible for the two to happen at the same time. So starting out, I said, hey, listen, let's fix it. I didn't have to live there. At first, I said this would be a good idea to live there because I was somewhere else paying rent. This property's debt-free. This would be great. I would just live here and pay taxes. No, grandma has deferred maintenance. No, no, no. You don't live there without pulling the drop ceiling off, taking the panels off the wall, getting the plastic off the couch. You can't just move in that house. I was like, ah, okay, guys, let's come together and fix it up. It didn't work out. Their intention was never to be a family for the greater good of anything. So, I I went on my own mission. And I think I started with Angie's List, if I'm not mistaken, and just some neighborhood contractors, right? So now I'm getting quotes. Well, how much would it be to remove this wall? Okay, so recess lights, because this is what I have in my place. But well, then what would it cost to just make the lights go in the ceiling? You know, just asking a certain question. And it was a lot. It was way more than I could afford at the time being a cashier. It was a whole lot. And it was like the oddest thing. Every single person that walked through that door made me an offer to buy the house. Every I think one day, I won't lie, to mailman even ask because he bought it. I can't make it up. Now, <laughs> Where is that? South, oh. it was in South Philadelphia. Okay. They call it Newbold or Point Breed. It was in South Philadelphia. <laughs> so when I say it, it's, just, it's so funny just getting to relive it. But they were like, yeah, this is a whole lot of work. It, it's going to need a lot. It's way too much for you. Let me just buy it right now. I had this one contractor who was so serious. He wanted to write me a personal check on the spot. He's like, my checkbook is in the truck. Walk me out right now. I mean, it needs a lot. You won't get more than about 50, 60 for it. But like, I'll give it to you right now. Cash. I'll write you this check. I remember I was a cashier. And I'm like, well, at ShopRite, we don't take personal checks. So maybe I shouldn't (laughs) take a personal check either. Now, there was a neighbor right next door to my grandma on the right-hand side. It depends. If I'm standing directly in front of the house, he was on the left hand. But if you're coming down the right, whatever. Brand new guy. He lived there with his family. Really well shaved. Three-piece suit. He wears cufflinks. Why he's living next door to my grandma, didn't really question it. Really cool guy. He has a really nice house, three-story. few years before that, there was no house there. And a few years before that, it was an abandoned house there. The way that his house looked, almost every other house on the block looked like that as well. So it was uniform. Everybody has three-story rooftop deck going on. And the story is persistent with that block. Like, it was a point in time where everything was abandoned. And then there was a point in time where, if you stood at the corner, it's hollow. With the exception of maybe four or five standing houses. My grandmom's being one of them, not paying attention to what that means. Not paying attention to why that is so. He looked out for me when I wasn't there though. So like when my family would come, he would give me a call, like, hey, they're back. What you want me to do? You want me to lock the property up? You want me to make sure this is fine. You want me to call the cops? They're like in there. Like he would kind of look out for me. And one day he said, Hey, listen, have you think have you thought about selling it? And that was something that I was, like, battling with internally because it was getting out of hand for me. It was something that I couldn't do. Like, I can't take care of it. You guys are making it extremely hard for me. I lived maybe 35, 40 minutes away. I'm not going to keep coming to babysit this house. But she said she didn't want me to sell it. So that was one of the things that I battled with. And he said, listen, the guy that helped me buy my house, he told me his name. He said, he's a realtor. I'll give you his card. That was it. At this point, my neighbor pretty much was sick of my family making all that noise mm-hmm. next door there. So he just paid $300,000 for this house. He like, give What I was saying it. I knew what he was getting with it. So he had give, given me the realtor's number. I gave him a call. I did not know much about real estate still. And I didn't know exactly what a real estate agent was outside of they buy and sell real estate. But I felt comfortable knowing that it was backed by a company. Like I felt c- comfortable. Okay, if something goes wrong, the guy didn't just write me a random personal check. There's contracts. There's other things involved that kind of put me at ease. So although I didn't know what I was doing, I felt comfortable with the guidance that I would receive from a professional. So I had given him a call. We had a meeting. We like sat down at some type of coffee shop. And he sat down and he talked to me. He said, well, what do you want to do? Is it free and clear? He talked to me about what would happen. Okay, we'll do a title search on it. Um, and then we'll put it on the market. He said, we're going to list it at 115 and then we'll see what happens. Now I'm just thinking about the other people who came with the fifty, sixty thousand offer. Like you won't get much more than this. So he said one hundred fifteen. I was like, is this guy serious? I don't know. But we'll see. he's a professional. Let's see what happens. It was maybe five or six days after the consumer notice and the agreement to sell. You know all of that stuff. I mean, not the agreement to sell, the consumer notice and us listing it. That we were at a bidding war. From one hundred fifteen, we had hit one hundred fifty, and I still in my mind didn't say, hey, why is there a bidding war? Why do people want this? Because I didn't even clean it out. I don't even think I got to that point. I didn't touch it. Her furniture was still there. I didn't touch it. I was like, 152, that's a far cry from the 50 that they said that was all I could get. So like uh, maybe day seven, I was like, yeah, let's take the highest one. I didn't care if it was cash, financing, whatever. It ended up being a cash offer, which was good. But we ended up um, maxing out at the 152. And a week after that, I think we closed because it was debt-free. She literally had no debt on the property at all. So it was a really smooth transition from table to bank. And I just remember selling the property for 152 So, and I getting this check from the title company and they gave me like this bottle of champagne. And I remember looking at it and like, I think I cried. That was the most money I've ever seen in my life. Now I'm almost 20 years old and I don't know what to do with the check. I'm like, do I take it to the bank? And I have the same bank to date. Back then I was like the overdraft queen. I'm disputing, it's not me. No, I don't even eat Chick-fil-A, it's not me. Like, <laughs> And now I'm about to walk in here with a $100,000 check. Like, well, how's that going to be? They're going to think I did something wrong. Like, this is really my mindset. It was so, so poor. So at the time, I remember taking it and they were telling me what I needed to do. We would break it down in increments. Um, They just start clearing it a little bit at a time. And at that point, I had made my mind up. Now, I didn't feel bad about selling grandma's house at the time. I really felt like I didn't have a choice. I'm going to be honest. I couldn't afford to upkeep it. I didn't want to live in it and I wasn't going to pay. I wasn't going to pay for a place that I didn't live. It, pretty much it was what it was, but I did make up my mind that it wouldn't have been in vain. Cut in a, th- a bit. Of um, course. You of know, course. and I, this is awesome. And I uh, <laughs> all the trials and tribulations. So but tell yeah. me, cause I, you sell, you sold this house. Yes. And then I, I'm assuming that's what brought, that you used was the seed to get to your 18 properties. So tell, like, I have 20 yeah. now. Okay, so tell us briefly, like, what did you do? How did you get that next one? And then what okay. have you been doing since? So what happened after that was the realtor um, sat me down with a financial advisor because he scared it for me. <laughs> That's a lot of money. What are you going to do? Um, we sat down with the financial advisor. He says, hey, we could put it on a Roth IRA, right? 503, something like a college fund. Just a bunch of stuff. And I was like, huh. you're telling me to give you all my money and go back to work? No, 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 I'm not going to do that. And then after that, the realtor kind of noticed like what path I was on. Next, said, we're like, what are you going to do? with all that money, I said, I'm going to buy houses. Mentally, I knew if one house got me that much money, I should just go get more houses. But naturally, I wanted to kind of just replace my income. Like, I knew that I didn't want to go to work. So I was like, okay, let me just buy houses. So I told the realtor, that's what I was interested in. And he introduced me to an investor. So now this is my first time making a distinction between agent and investor. So I'm like, okay, these two different type of people. Sat down with the guy. The guy's like, yes, yeah, so I have some houses for sale. I heard you were interested in buying them. We're sitting down talking, very informal. I think we met at like a restaurant or something, and we were talking about it. And he's like, so what's your budget? Me being me, I just like told him the truth. Yeah, I have $150,000. <laughs> so he's like, and I was really honest. I told him the truth. Hey, just is what happened. My grandma had a house. I sold it. He said, you sold it where? So I say, South Philly. He said, you sold it for like, $152,000? I said, yeah. He's like, you could have sold it for 300000 Why would you do that? I was like, well, that's, that's what he told me to do. Like this. Did I do something wrong? Like, I'm like, uh-oh. So then he goes into this spiel about equity and how it's being and clear and how I could have did a hard money loan or a purchase and rehab loan and just all of these things that I didn't know. And I was like, okay. So at that point, I'm like really, really interested in it. Yeah. But he had houses for sale in a nutshell because he was in a hard money situation where he was in the middle of a project, ran out of capital. So he had to sell off some of his stuff. So he's in the middle of playing Monopoly. And I jumped on the board with, okay, so I need houses. What are we going to do? That day, we went to go see two or three of them. One of them had a tenant. So I immediately inherited some income, passive income on the spot. So that was my first one that yeah. I got. Then he sold me another one, which was horrible to the eye. I'll call it the tree house. It was $6,500. That's what I had purchased it for. He originally asked for 12. I was like, nah, it was 6,500. He had purchased it for 2,500 though, from an auction. So I was like, auction, 2,500. So at that time, I had purchased it from him for 65 but in the back of my mind, I made a mental note, he got this for $25, you need to find out where. So <laughs> that was my like, first intro to the auction. I think I got three houses from him at that time, and he was a referral from the agent. So the first one was a tenant, which was great. I was like, yes, that instantly replaced my income. Like She was paying $1,000 a month. I was like, oh, yes, I don't make this as a cashier, so I'm good. The other one needed work. I didn't touch it right away. He thought it would be a really good idea to segue into being an investor. Hey, this will be your first project. It'll be great. There'll be equity. I wasn't quite ready to do that. Like I didn't actually go inside the house. It was so bad looking. I stood like at the door, looked and I was like, Oh no. And I actually let that house sit there um, for about a year, year and a half before I actually decided to bother it. Cause it was just, uh, it was like really out of my league. I'll say, but I got it for 65 and it was fine. So it didn't bother me. I just let it sit there. And then the other one needed uh, some minor work to it, some paint, baseboard heaters. We replaced the baseboard heaters that were there. What else did we do? I know we added a new stove because the stove wasn't there. But it, I want to say maybe like $3,000 and that was up and running. So now we have two tenants and then we have one house that's just like not the prettiest to look at. So that was my first step into purchase at homes. It was really simple. And now are you doing a lot of, you're know, doing auctions? buying houses from auctions? So yes and no. This is the thing. When I first went to an auction, I was like baffled by the nature of how it worked. The properties were starting at $1,500. You only needed $600 to play the game. I'm there. I'm the only person that's like as young as I am. There's not many women. I'm like, nope. are you serious? I-, I purchased the property for 1700 And in my mind, I knew I could have did this as a cashier. I'm like, well, I could have saved $1,700. I was like, this is crazy. So when I got there, I was like, turned out. I'm like, this is a real thing. I have to tell people. So in the beginning, I did go to auctions to purchase. But then as I started to tell people, that's how Rosebud actually came to life. I would be telling people, giving them my whole idea and the possibilities, and they would be going to these auctions, buying houses, pennies on a dollar, or getting them and flipping them really quickly, making 60000 $70,000. And they're calling me like, oh my God, thank you, it worked. And I was like, you're welcome. So somewhere in there, it was like, okay, this is a business. Hello, hi, you know, figure it out. I filed for an LLC. I did it myself. I wasn't very knowledgeable was on it, but I knew like, hey, get a business. That's an LLC. Like all of these things are just gradual trial and error situations. And then eventually, I got so many clients that I couldn't go to the auction. Because if you you can imagine, you're my client. I take you to the auction, and I'm bidding against you. It's like, no miss. That's not why we're here. <laughs> so yeah, we just kind of grew from there. Amazing. So tell me what this is a question I ask everybody, and I think we get so much more knowledge from what doesn't go right and what does go right. So tell me, what was your biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? My biggest mistake. It's so crazy. I actually don't acknowledge mistake ever or failure. I look at it like a learning experience. Like I say, you learn something or you earn so, something. So yeah. I'm trying to think. I would say that if, if I could say anything, it would be panicking. Like, so when I originally sold the property, I didn't do any like research prior to selling the property. Like I tried to get it fixed. I tried to do that part of it, but I never knew about equity. I never knew about any of those things. I just didn't take the time to learn, but I knew I had to do something and I kind of rushed that process. I waited a little bit longer. I actually probably would have figured out how I could have got that 300,000 instead of the 150 or how I could have not sold it at all. Like there was options for me to keep the house, pull the equity. So I want to say that, that that was like the blessing and the curse of it all, because that is what got me my start, of course. So if I had to do it over, I wouldn't change much about it. I would just change how I did it. So I want to say that, that that's it. Beautiful. And what are you most proud of? Hmm. My ability to be very optimistic and to persevere. Some people are very discouraged. It's a total mindset thing. So before wealth, before like the millions, before equity, before all of those things, my mind was set on winning. It growth, prosperity, progression, always. No matter what I was doing, it was always a step up from whatever I had done prior. So just to not really have many role models. Like I said, I'm the leader. And I was young. I was 19. Then I turned 20, but now I'm 26. But it has always been me that kind of guided myself. Like I was the one to seek knowledge. I was the one to network and meet new people. Coming from my household, like I'm the first millionaire of my family. I'm the first home, well, not the first homeowner because my grandma was a homeowner, but like I'm the first entrepreneur and my feel like actually did, does invest in, I was able to change generations. Obviously, on my mom, but I remember telling about my great-grandma in the beginning. Well, I was able to retire her. So I was able to reach back because legacy is not just about who comes after you. I believe yeah. it's about who came before you as well because they're not here anymore. So it's my job to keep the, the bloodline and the lineage alive and actually make them proud of something, like stand for something. This is your family. This is your last name. So I want to say I'm just, like, most proud of, like, go, keep going. I didn't really know much, but I didn't let that stop me. I know people who would have been like, 152, and I could have sold it for three. Oh, this is not for me. I was just like, okay, so where's the rest? And I was able to make that 250 relatively quickly after, after I lost it, just with educating myself. So I'm really yeah. proud of myself for that. Most people. They don't do it. So what advice do you have for a woman who's just starting out in this field? For a woman who is just starting out in this field, I would say just start. You're never going to know everything about the field ever. Some people want to master, want to get into. I feel like you should get into what you want to master because experience is the best teacher. Like You can read a ton of books. You can listen to a ton of podcasts. No two deals are the same. They can be very, very similar, but no two deals are ever going to be identical. So I just want people to get into the habit like, hey, If you're a woman and it's something that you want to do, just start from wherever you are. Be prepared to make mistakes, but do what they say in terms of, uh, I think the term is fail forward. Don't be afraid to make a mistake because that's the only way that you're actually going to learn. It's just like everybody makes mistakes. I mean, I still do them now, even at my level, but it's just about how you view your mistakes. What do you take from them? Okay. And do you get something that's valuable enough to help you progress the next go around? What do you wish you'd known at the beginning that you now know? Equity. The word equity. (laughs) I wish I knew about the word equity. I wish that I would have known that we could fix the house. I want to just say equity, that whole burn method. If I would have known about equity and the burn method, things would have been just slightly different. It wouldn't have been much different because I'm not like in a bad spot, but it would have been a little. You would have been a bit further ahead now. Yes. Before we get into our famed end of show Trinity, how can people reach you to find out more about you and what you do? Rosebud's Investments. So that's everywhere because my grandmom's name was Rose, so I created the company after her. So both words are plural. Rosebud's has an s at the end. Investments has the s at the end as well. The website is www.rosebudsinvestments.com. Instagram is at Rosebudsinvestments. Facebook is Rosebud's Investments too. Okay, even the number. Beautiful. It's a two six seven four one nine Rose. Oh, that's great. Beautiful. So now it's time for our trinity, which is a brag of gratitude and desire. What is one thing you are celebrating right now? What's your brag? That the world is going through a lot of crazy stuff. Everybody's in a panic about the market crashing and I am completely under leveraged. My debt to income ratio is like 8%. I have one mortgage out of 20 houses and I'm so happy that I'm okay. Because people are like, you can't take advice from somebody who didn't survive the crash. And the crash shows really scary because like a crash, my God, a bubble, what happened? But what people fell to realize is the only people who are really at risk are the people who are overleveraged. We don't owe anybody. I mean, you have some, some pieces that you could potentially move around the board and still be okay. Like I could sell it, I'm not gonna be underwater. So I just feel good that I went in the way that I did. Most people told me not to. You're gonna be house rich and cash poor, and that happened to me so many times, but in my mind I was never fully comfortable with the idea of leveraging. I didn't like it. And I'm so like proud of myself for following my gut instinct because now people are like, I'm my tenature and pain and I'm behind on a mortgage. And I'm like, Phew. so I'm like really proud. And I, I don't know if I'm able well, to brag. save it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to make it like, nanny and a boo-boo to the well, people who are not. But that is something that I'm proud of. Beautiful. And what's one thing you're grateful for? Just the opportunity to educate people. I'm grateful for so many things, like being on my own, just being able to change, the trajectory of the way my children will grow up versus the way that I did generational curses. It sounds so crazy, like generational wealth and I want to break generational curses. You hear that all the time, but to be somebody who's actually doing it is like really cool. So I'm grateful that I'm able to do that and pass on a knowledge for another mom, another wife, another woman who might not be a mom or a wife yet, but she will be one day. Or even if she's doing it for herself, like giving people actual hope to show them, Hey, I was a cashier and now I'm not. You can do this. And here's how beautiful. And last but not least was one thing you desire. Okay, are we talking like materialistically or are we saying? Whatever. In general. What's one thing you desire? What is one thing that I desire? That's a quote. Harriet Tubman said, I would have freed many more slaves if only, that they, if only they known that they were slaves. I run into that often. When you're like telling a story, people get blocked by the, but you had an inheritance. But. I went to the auction and got a $1,700 house. You can do that without an inheritance. Like people kind of shut off the fact that they can do it too because of how I did it sometimes. But I wish I could just like ever could ever people's mindset. That's like the biggest piece of the puzzle. It's another quote. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, either way, you're right. That's a thing. And I just really want people to know how powerful the mind is. So my biggest desire would be to like the mental blocks, break them. Like, it's like I want to just knock the bricks down. With the hammer in their head, like, "Hello, yes, there's light on the other side of it." Yeah, I hear you. That's one of my biggest desires. I hear you, and that's why I do this show. Because anybody who's thinking, "I can't do it," you know, go hear a story like yours and go, "Okay, well, she was 19. She was like, she was working as a cashier, not a genius, and she's become a a millionaire. You know, and anybody can do it." So can do it. thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom. That was great. If y'all, if you want to connect with Jamisa, go to Rosebud in Inve- Rosebuds Investments. So S's at the end of both those words.com or Rosebuds Investments on all social media. You can find me at reigoddesses.com and at reigoddesses on social. And definitely check us out. You can join our investor club there to find out about past investing opportunities and join us in our Facebook group where we have thousands of women from all over the country and the world. We're in 20 countries now. So that are like crushing it in real estate and supporting one another. So come join our sisterhood. So thank you again, Jamisa. And y'all subscribe and see us next week for another Real Estate Investor Goddess interview.
0: Bye-bye. You have just listened to another episode of Real Estate Investor Goddesses, a show dedicated to sharing stories of women creating real wealth through real estate. If you found value on what you just heard, feel free to share with your friends. Visit us at reigoddesses.com to learn more about our programs and live events, as well as to access other resources. Until next time.